Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Indeed, it's the podcast that's sweeping the nation. One Man's Opinion, episode 36, as we sit here mid-October, gearing up, election season, NFL season going on, a lot to get to today. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing, liking, following the podcast, commenting. We do so appreciate it, everybody. I am Jeff Mance. You can find me at fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com, elitesportsbetting.com, as well as on social media at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. With me today, I told you guys a few weeks ago, I'm getting bored of hearing my own damn voice all the fucking time. So I brought on another voice that I absolutely hate. It's Ted Schuster. What's up, Ted? Nothing. I'm ready to talk politics for an hour. Let's <laughs> do it. You want to talk election coverage, Ted Schuster? Are you geared up, Ted? Are you balloting, Ted? Are you all excited about whatever is going on? Oh, there's a debate tonight, actually. As we're recording this, this is pre-debate. So everything we say will likely not matter because they'll probably get into like a slap or tickle fight tonight. Come to think yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, the mics will be muted at some point. It sounds like I don't I already voted, so I don't give a crap. So you're I'm, done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm like the idiots out here that have nothing better to do with their lives and yell at each other and <laughs> trying trying to think they're gonna think their their stupid flag is gonna change a vote. Whether either side, they're just stupid. Oh, we got it, dude. In my area, we got people stealing each other's signs, like people putting for one, <laughs> like why are you putting signs in your front yard? I, I mean, it's fine. Like, do what you got to do. If you want to support a candidate, fine, whatever. But I, I don't w- know why people get tilted and threatened so fucking much when it's when somebody wants to support another candidate. Like, what is it to you? Like, the great thing, I, I don't know, man. Everyone always thinks I am. Um, what are they? The ego, ego, egotistical, and you know all, all that. I'm not. I'm just confident. Like I like what I like. I know what I know, and that's just it. So that doesn't really go beyond that. I don't know why it's always. I'm not threatened by your knowledge, Ted. I'm not threatened by somebody else's knowledge. It's like I, if I don't, if you're smarter than me, you're smarter than me. I don't. I am what I am. I, I don't know why more people can't just kind of get into that. You know, I mean, that happens in fantasy. It, it's why dfs twitter is such a fucking disgrace these days is because i think people get threatened we got into it last week about i did at least you you're man you unfollowed everybody didn't you yep don't follow i I follow very few of the dfs community and it's fantastic i don't hear i don't see their bullshit and their fucking games and i'm a better player than you or this website sucks or you suck i don't have to i don't have to listen to any of that because i just don't follow them it's just you live that great life, man. I, I I need to do it. I just haven't been able to. It's really bothersome because yeah, I, I get flagged. $10 double ups. Who cares? You know who cares? Our customers. I really love a $10 double up win. $5 double up. I love winning. I've said it many times on this podcast on our Sirius XM show. I'm addicted. I, it's like crack. And I have, I like good bourbon, good coffee and, uh, and winning. Yeah, that, those are my vices, man. That's never going to change, I don't think. And uh, that we get made fun of for that, but uh, I don't, but I don't give a shit. Like I said, I'm not threatened, and I'm not threatened by them saying they don't like it, not even a little bit. Well, the problem but, too with the, the DFS community too, and with what we, I think, do all right is 
I could care less what those fucks think of us anyway. So uh, as long as yeah. our subscribers are happy and I feel like we give them good information, that's all that matters to me. I don't care whether Joe Blow, no offense, like RG, uh, the guys are nice and all, but I don't care if the RG guys like me or Awesome or any of those other sites. I just don't care. <laughs> you like me or don't, I don't give a crap. Yeah. It's not my problem. It's it's us. You mentioned like Awesomeo and that, and Alex is a pretty good guy. From all, I don't know him at all, really, but I've heard he's a pretty decent guy. But again, I don't get. He's he's a guy that's never threatened by the way we play, and now we're not threatened by the way he plays. He plays multi entry, mega multi entry, hundred fifty lineups, all that kind of stuff. I I don't. I'm not threatened by those people. People that go for the millionaire makers and that that doesn't bother me. They're not in my way. I like it. Go at, go right ahead. I love those people. In fact, go and play that way. We are single entry people. And I think we speak to our audience and our audiences are, are folks that are more, that, you know, they're going to play one to five lineups in a given week of football or a given night of basketball or baseball. And that's how people play, you know? And I think that the common people, the regular people, and I, you know, sometimes, especially FanDuel recently, Ted, they're, the DFS industry as a whole has really forgotten about the ones who built it. And it's not the mega multi-entry guy. They're great and they're good for the sites and they, they pay a lot of rake and all that. So they are treated very well, but there is without the mom and pops out there, without the, the folks that are working hard for a living, coming home and burn, burn off some steam by playing DFS without those folks, this industry doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. And they, those people need, especially if the newer you are to it, you need to learn what the right contests to enter are so you're not blowing money every single week. And next thing you know, you're reloading. And at some point you get stuck. Okay, I'm sick of losing. I'm just going to, I'm just not going to play anymore. You got to keep, you want people, you want people returning businesses, what you want. And uh, if they don't know what contest to enter, they end up going into the stupid millionaire contest all the time. And hoping and praying they, they win something and usually they don't because it's not easy and then next thing you know they're quitting indeed by the way follow ted schuster at ted schuster on twitter you can hear him with me every uh weekday on sirius xm fantasy sports radio well technically tuesdays and fridays is when ted is on uh sirius xm fantasy sports radio today we're going to talk about starts and sits we're going to preview week seven in fantasy football we got a thursday night game we'll give our takes and see how those play it's always nerve-wracking to tell you what you think of the thursday game and then by the time this thing is posted and people download it the game's already over so we look like big freaking idiots but we're not afraid of that we'll also talk i want to talk today ted a little bit about our uh one of our most popular segments that we do on Sirius XM and also in our articles at elite fantasy. And that's the, the daily fantasy sports core Four, um, something we do for football season for the most part um, core Four live stream is over there. You know, it's something that's very, very popular. And I want to give some background to give the folks an insider look at what we do in a given week and how we sort of arrive at the players that we do and sort of the anarchy behind the scenes. So we'll get into that on the show here as well, everybody. Then, of course, Ted and I will give a survivor pool pick. We'll give uh, our favorite bet of the week and an upset special for everybody on the betting side of things as well. By the way, Ted, I'm out of New England. Screwed me out of all my survivor bet pools. I'm out. Completely out. Gone. Yeah, I've been I've been out since I think. I don't know why I had the time. Looking back, I think it was a terrible pick. Now they've played okay. I think at the Chargers, who did they lose to at home? Carolina? 
I think. Oh yeah, Carolina beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was. A- I've been buried since then because I pretty much I only do one team per contest that I do, and I I just kind of let it ride. I don't I don't hedge, and yeah, so I've been out for a while. Yeah, I uh, I'm out of everything. I I was in four, and I was in all four up to last week, and it's it's. I didn't hedge either. And I thought, because eh, I didn't like any of the picks last week. I really didn't. And I'm like, all right, New England's going to beat Denver. That's a no-brainer. You give Bill Belichick two weeks to prepare at home. They get Cam back. They get Gilmore back. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. No Melvin Gordon. Like, it's it was no chance. And, of course, that's the week I got caught and booted all of them. So we'll start fresh here in uh in week number seven as well um let's talk about this though while we're talking about the industry and just basically shitting on everybody i got into it several times over the week uh, on twitter with with different people one was a former employee that uh i will address the former employees for those of you who are subscribers to elite fantasy and fantasy guru elite sports betting i'll do i want to do a show i almost want to do it on twitter just to, I want to answer all the questions because I can't really tolerate the lies and the deceit that people make. Now, some of the people that have left our company, there's been a lot of folks that have left. And the thing is, I'm not, everyone's like, oh, it's the Titanic. You guys are failing. We're not failing. We're in the best shape financially we have ever been in. And it's the middle of the pandemic. You guys don't, you guys need to know when people leave, they take their salaries with them. You know what that means? A lot of room, a lot of profits, a lot. So we're in good shape financially. It, we're, the company is as strong literally as it's ever been. Some of the folks that leave, successful companies lose talent because they get paid more to go other places and it, it will happen. Anybody who's ever been successful at anything knows that. No matter what, people will want to part of you if you're successful at this. And that goes for our company too. Ted, you've had overtures uh, all the time. I've gotten overtures from other places and things, do this and that. that. You know, there's always those opportunities and some folks take them, some folks don't. So I'll address that at a different time and I'll do it in a forum in which all of you guys can ask the questions that you want to ask, things you want to know because you deserve it. But Ted, what I want to talk about today is the me getting blasted for my uh, my take on the Texans two point conversion uh, last week, I I was told I don't know math, and I said the thing on Twitter. I said football isn't math, and oh my god, did that create uh, an absolute pandemonium? And everyone coming at me, and people shitting on my work, and shitting on oh this guy doesn't even play, he doesn't even know what he's doing, and all of this kind of stuff. Um, for one, let's just get to it. The, the issue with the Texans going for two-point conversion against the Titans, we know how it worked out. But at the time, Ted, did you think it was the right or wrong decision? It was one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my life. It was like Bill O'Brien never left. That's how bad that decision. It made no fucking sense whatsoever. In no manner did it make sense. And, and team math or the wannabe math, whatever they want to call themselves, can go shove it up their ass because they're dead wrong. I mean, it's just they're so wrong, it's disgusting. Um, for the even if like the math part of it, for one, if you get the one point, if you get to pick the extra point, you're up eight points. The worst you could do is go to overtime. That's the absolute worst you can do. Yep. And that's assuming they drive all the way down the field and score the two point conversion. So going for the two and not getting it 
puts you in a chance where you should have a chance to lose the game. And I'm, I was actually a little surprised after Tennessee scored that they didn't go for two, I was, especially because that guy had missed a couple of kicks. He missed several kicks throughout the season. Yep. Uh, Gaskowski. So it was, it was stunning that he did go for two. I mean, now if you want to make the argument that the going for two should happen on every, every single touchdown, you could make that argument. because it was a 49% is what two point conversion rate is the last two years. And the, I think the extra points. I think it's actually over. Isn't it over 50? I think it might be this year. I think it just like, I was, I think I saw a number for the last two years, but it's around 50 and the extra point percentage, I think is down to 95. So if you want to make the argument, but you should always go for two, no more of this. Oh, it depends on the score. You should always go for two. Then that's, you want to make that argument, but the people that say that don't know real football or real sports because they just don't understand strategy and all that stuff that goes with it. Yeah. It's nice to go up by nine. They have to score twice, but you don't need to. It's just, it's idiotic. Now I, I will say, like, I think if, I've seen it where teams are down 15, they score that touchdown to kick the extra point to go down eight. I find that stupid. I think you should get that two points first or know if you're going to get it. So that way, you know, if you need two scores or one score, but it's another story, but these math people that claim it are just idiotic. And I just, it just doesn't, they're, they're team math when it's convenient team math, when they want to look like they're cool, but team math doesn't enter 150 lineups in a fucking GPP contest with, with such top heavy payouts. If they want to be true team math guys, it doesn't make sense. The numbers don't make sense. So you could take it and shove it up your ass. <laughs> and fire. And I love it. Uh, you, you went right to the direction that I was going to take this conversation. I really, I've thought a lot about it during this week. And the one thing I keep coming back to is it's just a fundamental difference of philosophy, I suppose, or, you know, what your, your identity. Um, I don't believe it's just, again, I will, I respect the fact that people do mega multi-entry and 150 lineups. I do. I respect that. It's tough. It takes time. It's not just because you went, you go 150 doesn't mean you're going to win. Of course you could, you're actually upping your amount of potential losses significantly. So I get it. Right. I get it, but they need to understand the other side too. And that's the, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's the biggest skill throwing 150 lineups. It is a skill, but it's a different kind of skill. And I value the skill that says I could put one lineup in every contest and win every contest. That to me, one silver bullet to me, that skill, when you have to hedge and you're, you're constantly, you you need other things to have happen. I think it's a mentality thing and you, you put the numbers in your favor. I get that, but you also need to limit your downside. And what you said about this Texan situation is exactly right. You, the Texans, by going for, if they would have kicked extra point, they could not have lost that game. They could not have lost. They could not have lost the game. It was, that was a mathematical impossibility, right? To then lose the game. But they put them, by going for two and missing, they put themselves in danger of losing the game. Now, Tennessee came down and with four seconds left, got the game, went, game tying touchdown. What nobody else is talking about was why didn't they go for two? Because they could have, and then they would have won the game. The Titans, by scoring that touchdown, had an opportunity to go for the two-point conversion and win the game. So the Texans, by not getting that one extra point, put themselves in harm's way of letting the opponent decide. Never let your opponent decide. The idea that, oh, we're going to go for two now, it's great if you were the last ones with the ball and they can't do anything, but there were 90 seconds on the clock. You had They had... 
you they weren't in position to win the game then. They still had to deal with another possession. All right, and by kicking that extra point, they would have had to go down score and get a two-point conversion and get the, the coin flip and all these other things. And it make it that much harder for your opponent. And they're at the mercy of their opponent not saying, oh, screw it. We're on the road. It's regulation. They're actually home. But we're going to throw it. We're going to go for two anyway. And then they could have won the game in regulation. That would not have happened if they did the extra point. Nobody on team math wants to talk about that. And by the way, nobody does more math during the course of a week, I think, than myself and our, and or our team that I over at Elite Sports, including you and Ray and Vlad and, and everybody, and Ricky and Healy. That's all we do. We have more formulas. We have more creative stats. I have more Google Docs that get downloaded, that the data gets downloaded to every week than anybody would ever comprehend. I showed my kids this one day and they're like, you know, they're doing a Google Doc. I said, want to see my Google Docs? Here's, here's 160 Google Docs that I have to keep track of every single week that, that I update. Some manually, some come automated, and I have to move data points from one set to another set, all this kind of stuff. So don't tell me about math, all right? This is not math. Math is a – there's a solution at the end of it, and the solution is an absolute. Two plus two is always four. It's not sometimes four, and if you have enough entries, it's four, and sometimes it's three. That's not it. 54% opportunity to get the – I think that's the number everybody was quoting as far as the two-point conversion. That doesn't – that's not an absolute. That's a be- slightly better than a coin flip. That's not math. That's chance. There's a big, big difference. So, yeah, glad you're on board with that because well, I, I got into it. Go ahead. The other thing about the math, I just, I, I, the math people just fucking piss me. I just can't. Hey, I, I, I'm, I'm a math self. I'm a closet math nerd. I was. I, think I, I did the math. Same here. My freshman year, my brother was a fucking state champion math guy. I have two kids that are pretty gifted at math, so yep. it's not like I'm anti-math. But there, I've grown up watching sports. I've coached sports. I've played sports. There's a psyche to the athlete that we're not. We didn't even talk about. Like how do you, how does how does their defense feel knowing that they don't trust them enough to stop them from scoring a touchdown? Yeah, that's basically what Romeo Cornell said to his defense. Well, I, I don't think you can stop them from scoring, so I'm going to go ahead and go for two to make sure that even if they did score, we'll be okay. When there's that whole psyche side of sports that team math doesn't doesn't pay attention to, or, or, or air quotes team math because they're they're so full of shit at times because it, those same guys that the guy hits three home runs in the major league game yesterday that they're going to throw them right in their lineup today without even looking at the match because they're just going to assume oh but I thought I thought the psyche didn't matter that was all about the numbers well that's bullcrap and you know it and that's it, they they it's always convenient it's convenient math is what it is it's not team math it's what's convenient where they think they're going to look like they sound smarter. Or their convenient excuse if they don't have a, a right prediction or make a bad lineup choice. The best is when they quote math as the solution to DFS, and they're people that haven't won a goddamn thing in their life. Like, and that's another thing that's just beyond comprehension for me. The people that sometimes come at me about you know, math, they're, oh, you, you know, try to make it like I'm not doing the math and the, putting the percentages which is essentially the entire empire we built Elite Fantasy and the cash game model that we do. The entire thing is built on math. The entire thing is built on a model that's built on putting and leveraging your lineups and your entries and your bankroll against everybody else. That's the entire thing. That's the whole secret sauce. 
It's really easy, and nobody has been able to duplicate it in 10 years. Nobody's been able to. Simplest thing ever. And nobody's been able, because they overthink it, they outthink it, they, they want to come up like it's wizardry. And again, math has a solution. There is an absolute at the end of it. And people that don't win and people don't, it's, <laughs> they, they're not solving any problem. And thus there's more to it than math. Math will get you so far. Then it's game theory, knowing your opponents, knowing, and in football, it's, it is knowing these players and these teams and what they're most likely and less likely to do. It's to them though. It's not, it's just about gaining as much market share as possible. And then a lot of hoping that it's hits putting your the best, you know, best projections, highest projected player per dollar and mixing and matching how they mix and match in lineups. They don't even do it. They let fantasy cruncher do it. They let lineup optimizers do it. They just let them spit it out 150 times. They don't even handcraft their 150 lineups. And then they throw it in and it's like, and then they are geniuses because they had enough leverage and they hit the nuts one time. It's like, get the fuck out of here. So yeah. Well, and is math going to tell you that the, the entire Dallas offensive lines hurt or nope. And I'm sure we'll talk about this in a second. No. Some of the schedule changes this weekend. Is it going to tell you that Oakland might have to play the, their, their game this weekend without their entire offensive line. Mm-hmm. That does team Matt, does math tell you that? No, nope. it doesn't. Nope. So nope. It, there's more than to sports than math. It's important. I use it. You use it. But if you think it's the end all be all, you're sadly mistaken. It's not gonna. It's not the end game. That's that is for sure. Speaking of which, uh, um, the NFL schedule has changed rapidly, and as we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon, right after the Sirius XM Elite Sports Show, uh, we truly don't know how DFS is going to handle it. Now we'll give you the latest. What we know as of this recording is that the Tampa Bay and Las Vegas Raiders. By the way, you call them Oakland still. Oh, whatever. Fuck them. <laughs> Las Vegas. You love Vegas, though. You should honor Vegas by calling them Vegas. That's yeah. one place I thought you would get right because <laughs> you love them. Uh, but Tampa Bay and Vegas are no longer on Sunday Night Football. And the reason they moved that time to 4.05 p.m. Eastern time, 105 locally in Las Vegas kickoff. The reason they did that is, like Ted said, the Raiders, thanks to Trent Brown, who's done some weird shit, evidently, and he's now under investigation by both the NFL and the Players Union. <laughs> this is a situation you don't want to fuck around, and evidently Trent Brown did. Um, he's the right tackle for the Raiders, by the way. He yeah, tests positive for COVID-19. So now Gabe Jackson, Colton Miller, Denzel Good, Rodney Hudson, all of them had to be placed on the COVID-19 list. That's the entire offensive line because – uh, they were in meetings and everything else with Brown this week. So we don't know what's going to happen with the Raiders situation. They just had their bye, So they can't go on another bye. losing five offensive linemen. Not very good. So we're going to see what happens. So in case that game has to be canceled or maybe pushed back, the NFL would have none of this uh, not having a Sunday night game since it's their empire. And thus they moved the best game of the whole freaking card, whole slate, Seattle and Arizona now will be played at 820 Eastern time, 520 local time in Arizona this, uh, this week. So the, the problem I have with this, Ted, is fine. I get why they did it. Like I understand, but it pisses me right off because 
I've done a lot of work already for the cash game breakdown. You already have your running back coach. You already did coaching session with all our subscribers over at elitefantasy.com this week in which I'm pretty sure we at least talked about Seattle, Arizona, Ted, because it was the highest projected score. There's two defenses that aren't very good with two very good offenses. Yeah. And that game could, I'm guessing it'll stay on the main slate. We're just got to deal. We're going to have the Sunday night sweat to go with it. It's my guess. Um, but we'll see. And maybe they'll scratch completely. And that really screws things up because there's a lot of quality guys in there, but it just changes everything with the strategy this weekend. If that, if that game is stays in the slate and is played Sunday night, but side note on Oakland, the NFL really isn't doing shit about stuff. They're not really penalizing teams because Tennessee clearly wasn't following the rules and basically got away with nothing. And then Oakland, I guess this Trent Brown guy wasn't Vegas. even wearing, whatever. <laughs> Vegas. Brown wasn't even wearing his fucking bracelet half the fucking time. They yep. hung out with the offensive. Why yep. even any team position players are having meetings not over Zoom right now is fucking idiotic. That needs that shit needs to stop. They don't need to meet in person or spread the room and put fucking masks on. Evidently, yep. they were hanging out with him without a mask on. Yep. And I mean, there's a whole other side to these. Why are these fuck? Why are the coaches getting fucking COVID all the fucking time? We're seeing as much team personnel as we are players. That's they're not the ones touching well, each other. It's I said it on the Sirius XM show with John Gruden. John Gruden just pulls off his mask every single time. I don't understand why they need to pull off their mask to talk to the referees every single time. Like, and coaches have been, I mean, Gruden got fined 200,000 or 100,000 twice, I believe, so far this season. Other coaches, $100,000. They're taking this shit seriously. And what I did on Sirius XM, Ted, is I put a mask on like here. Okay, right, this is my hand, but you know, if you talk like this, if I have to wear a mask and talk, it makes no difference to me. Now, it definitely would make a difference to the listeners and to whoever I'm talking to, but it really, it means nothing. It just says, I can still talk. I move my lips. I just say words and that's what it is. It would be a problem for the person hearing. It's not a problem for the people talking, but yet the talking people always have to pull off the mask. Why? Doesn't make any difference. Just do it. Just fucking wear the thing. Like I go to my coffee shop every day. I wear my mask. They want me to, I wear a mask. Show the people in the coffee video on my Twitter account every weekday morning. I, I did, I'll put on a mask. What, if you want me to wear it, I'll wear it. If you don't, if, if I'm at home, no, I'm not wearing it. So if, they, if your job, if I'm an NFL player, I could have opted out this season. Got $350,000 and that's it. And if you, but if you don't want, if you don't want to follow the rules, you're going to get yourself kicked out of the goddamn league. That's what's going to happen here. And guys like Trent Brown and all these guys who just didn't take it seriously, they're going to lose their jobs and they're not going to have a chance at this point to opt out because it's too late. So well, they just need to, my, I guess my thing is I want to see, I want to see lost draft picks. I want to see suspensions. That's what I want to see. Handed out. And like I said, Tennessee was the, 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 the one they could have put the example on. And they didn't. There's, there's plenty of fucking video, 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 video footage of them practicing at that private school. So it was yeah. there. I mean, even quite honestly, on the Sunday night games, like I said, I'm not going to get the whole the, the mask debate, wear yeah, or not wear it. Yeah. But Michaels and Collinsworth, oh. ass hats, fucking wearing half over their mouths and not over their fucking nose. What's oh, the point then, dumb shits? Yeah. Either do it or don't do it. You're getting, you got a national TV, TV audience watching. You. Oh, and they bitch about it the whole time. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Like they constantly yeah. bitch about it. Either, the executives need to step up and say, hey, shut up and wear them. It's like this. <laughs> It, 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 let's say, and I said this exact same thing on Sirius XM. I'll say it now. The podcast, now, I own the rights to this and all that kind of stuff. But on Sirius XM, if they said, man, Schuster, we need all our hosts to wear a mask, whatever. I'm just saying, it's ridiculous. We know, fine. 
And that, that's what they want to do. It's radio. And somehow they want us to wear masks. Then we have a decision. We can do it, keep our jobs, do our show. And if it sounds like shit, sounds like shit, whatever. Deal with the consequence. All that. We have a choice because we're human beings. Or we could say, no, I'm not doing that. It hurts my mouth. It bothers me. Or I don't believe it. whatever it is. We have the choice and we can not do it. And then they, and then Sirius XM can say, all right, well, if somebody else can do it, I, we could ask our staff, hey, Ray, would you like to do a show, but you have to wear a mask or this person or that person? We can go around doing that if we want to, you know? And then somebody will step up and say, yeah, okay, we'll do it. That's the same with Collinsworth and, and Michaels. I don't need to hear those buffoons. I don't need to hear them. They, they bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch every time they're in California. Meanwhile, every game's in California somehow. They've had two 49ers games and one LA game in six weeks. Three games, and they have to wear masks, and they're pissed about it every time. Shut the fuck up or get somebody else. I guarantee some other commentator in the NBC realm will say, you know what? I'll do, I'll do Sunday Night Football, wear a mask. Sure, I'll do it. I'll step up and do the game. That's all it is. That's all you have to do. But we're tired of hearing the bitching. That's too much bitching, not enough doing. I have a shirt that says, nobody cares. Work harder. Lamar Jackson wore it last year. I love it. I, I say it all the time. I go around my house. Every time somebody's complaining, my wife, kids, I'd say, nobody cares. Work harder. You know, that's it. Just, and nothing else matters. Just go. Just keep going. And, yeah, it's getting really frustrating. So we'll see what happens ultimately with the Las Vegas Raiders here. But uh, that game could be pushed back, could be canceled. We don't. We just don't know how it's going to go. And uh, what happens with the DFS slate, I was looking at this, Ted. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, it, it's almost like you basically have to choose one side of it. It's really hard to fade both of them. And if you do fade both of them, you can, can be done. But most likely you're going to grab one, if not two pieces of these receivers and Hopkins, Medcalf, Lockett, I don't like Kirk, but he's going to be popular because of his Monday night performance here as well. Maybe Drake because after his Monday night. So if this game ends up getting off the main slate, that's going to be a pretty huge uh, void to fill, I would say. Yeah, and I, I don't see it coming off the main slate, but I think they'll just keep it because they've got the players in the pool. It'll and it'll kind of be maybe be their experiment, see what kind of feedback they get about. Because I know they kind of. I think they went away from the Sunday night, Monday night game included because they just wanted more slates. Um, so they probably won't. It's probably a one-off thing, but uh, people will, some people might like it. So I know some people were disappointed when they got rid of the Sunday night game. I kind of like knowing at 7.30 Eastern what my Sunday was like, but yes, it just depends. Um, side note, Greasy on Monday nights is the best commentator going right now. Really? You like him that much, huh? Because he's the only one that actually tells that actually tells it how it is now. He doesn't sugarcoat the crap like everybody else. Like Collinsworth is too many sucking everybody's you know what. Aikman's become a suck ass for some reason. Greasy's the only one at this point that actually I I don't like some of his takes sometimes, but at least he I feel like he's not trying to hide anything. Right. I'm it's surprising how much I like him as well. I don't I, you know best around i have to hear more because i like you said i disagree with some of the things he says and uh, whatever but that i don't mind disagreeing with the commentators that's what it's all about but yeah he's he's pretty good i mean it's a better tandem than they had last year that's for sure <laughs> can't get uh, worse. <laughs> it really couldn't get it can't get much worse it really couldn't um that being said you know let's talk a little bit about dfs just overall because as i mentioned 
earlier. DFS Core 4 is by far our most popular segment on SiriusXM. We do it every Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time is when you tune in for that. And that segment has basically turned into you and I just breaking down our entire lineups every single week. And not, not our lineup, but going through the potential plays, position by position, and saying who needs to, who's a core guy. And the Core 4 is not meant to be something – not meant to be the highest point scorers of the week. It's the framework of what the entire lineup will be. Many times we will put a value or two in there in order, because there's a bunch of stud players in great spots. You know, maybe there's um, a ton of quarterbacks or whatever, and then we wouldn't do a quarterback, but we'd give you some value at other places to let you set what main player you're you know, most most interested in this week. So uh, it's done very well. Our, our subscribers, I, I say it, you know, we are six and zero on the season as far as profits are going. Now last week we actually had majority losing uh, cash games because we lost that super draft and FanDuel did win on DraftKings, which is a, a big success, mostly in part to a wise decision by you going Henry over Madison, but nevertheless uh, still profiting our, our GPP lineup was absolutely sensational. Matt Ryan, DeAndre Swift last week, absolutely fantastic. So with that being said, let's go. I wanted to give people a behind-the-curtain look at how our daily process, what we do to get ready for, you know, how on Friday evenings, early evenings, that is like we're pretty much settled on some spots, and you and I just talk it through for about a half an hour on that segment. But all that goes into it. When do you start looking at the next week in DFS? When, you know, when exactly do you start your process? To well, I do the running back breakdown on the Elite Sports site. So I start Monday night. Um, I start. I look at salaries, um, things like that. I, you don't have a lot of the advanced ratings that I like to see, like uh, the adjusted line yards or the Pro Football Focus ratings or the Football Outsider ratings. But I can get just like yards per carry allowed. Rushing yards allowed. If it's not a messed up week with the postponements and whatnot, you'll have salaries usually Monday night. So I start Monday to get a good idea where I'm going to go. And then at least running back wise, then Tuesday, I start looking at those ratings even more. So I guess I start with the running back just because of the, the article itself. And then Wednesday, yesterday, when I start, when I start looking at every position, it's like it's tough. And like on the chat on Wednesdays, people ask me like, "What about wide receiver?" I'm like, "Well, I pretty much spent all my time on running back right now." So yeah, it's hard. I haven't. I have, so today, I have a much better idea what I want to do from a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver, tight end than I did because t- Tuesday is pretty much it's all locked in on tight uh, running backs. Yeah, and and rightfully so. And it's important to what we do over at EliteFantasy.com, everybody, because it's the same. Like Vlad Sedler does our quarterback coaches. All the time. He always he always tells me, he's like, hey, man, they're peppering me with receiver question stuff. I'm just not ready. He does it on Tuesdays, day before you do it on Wednesday. And, but the coaching aspect, I urge everybody to, and that's why we do it this way. It's the right way, in my opinion, to break down the week. Trying to, uh, a lot of you out there, even the most casual DFS player, if you or like anything like me and Ted and, and any DFS player really is you're off on the weekends. Maybe let's say you're, you have a job and you're off on the weekends and then uh, 
you start look at your DFS stuff and that's Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and then it, it's always overwhelming. There's so much there. It winds up taking your entire weekend and you're consumed with it. And then Sunday morning, you're frantic and you're asking questions and tweeting people and texting people and trying to set your lineups and then trying to figure out what contests. And then, you know, it, it's, and the pressure's on you and it's, it's too crazy. You need to segment that down. And I strongly urge people to do it the way we have set up at Elite Fantasy. And that's like, start Monday night, if you want to look at stuff or whatever, and Tuesday night, go in and just focus on quarterbacks. What, here's the pool of quarterbacks and then have your lean and, and you don't have to settle anything during those coaching sessions. I like, all right. I like the, the set, seven quarterbacks. I like uh, four or three or four of them. I really am going to consider using awesome. Then you, you have that. And it takes a half hour to an hour max. Do it late at night, go back and read our coaching breakdowns, whatever it is. Then you do the same for a running back on on Wednesday, then you do the same again. You you can do this in a half hour. Whip through the articles, Vlad, Ted on Wednesday, Tyler Beaker on Thursday, Thad Houston on Friday with the tight end coach, and then our guy Scotty B, Scott Bonder on Saturday with the defense special teams. Then I go over the top and sort of throw everything into that, you know, and say you'll give you new illustrations. I give data in my article and the cash game breakdown on Elite Fantasy as well. And now you have that at your disposal should you want to dive deeper into things on over the weekend. But doing it that way, taking those smaller bites early, it, it will streamline your process. You're going to be so much more informed and known by the time it's lined up. It, it won't go down to the wire anymore for you. You know, you won't spend your whole weekend. You can actually you know, talk to your kids and spouse and boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. And uh, so that that's the what I recommend at least to everybody and why we do it that way. For me, my process starts Sunday night. After I do the recap article, I immediately start importing pricing and matchups for the following week. Um, And then I been known during the day uh, Monday, I will work on all of the data points that are updated, whether it's snap counts, um, pro football, focus ratings, football, outsider ratings, outsiders are usually slow. But uh, and I wait and then I leave holes for whoever's on Monday. That's why those two Monday night games suck, Ted, because it's really fucks up my process because now I have four teams to worry about. Normally, I just have two teams and I can just plug those in. I have everything ready to go. And I work all like around the show on Mondays, importing data, getting everything set up for the following week and then uh, just leaving those two teams that play on Monday kind of out. And then um, as soon as that Monday night game is done, I use that data and anything else. I keep track of the snaps and everything. So I have those, that, that information on Monday night football. And then I, that's when I run my projection, my first set of projections and that projections, then I take those, use them to go through the rankings over at fantasyguru.com, uh, and have those ready for everybody Tuesday morning when they wake up and uh, start the process over again. So like, that's how it all starts for me. And then it's about tweaking. You know, after that, I'll, as soon as I'm uh, up on Tuesday, as soon as the data is uploaded from Outsiders and Pro Football Focus and uh, uh, Reference and all these other places that I get my information, once that's done, I run everything, rerun the projections, and then it's kind of away I go. And I start 
I, I do like our uh, kind of like our content as well. Tuesdays are quarterback days for me. Wednesday is running back. I wait for your stuff to come out. I wait for Vlad's stuff to come out. Thursdays are wide receivers. And, you know, Thursdays actually, I actually do tight ends. Uh, I do quarterbacks and tight ends on Tuesdays. That's actually how I do. Um, really like honing in and everything. Uh, getting getting the pool and collection of players together. I also, because I, I, I'm not right in the brain, I have to handwrite shit. Like I have papers in front of me. Even though I have everything printed out too, I have stacks of printouts. I have to write out the actual player pool for myself to handwrite it because when I handwrite it, I memorize it. It's just, it's known. You could, you could ask me, how much is Justin Herbert on DK? And I'll have to just picture it in my head and 6,400, you know, I'm like, that's, you know, I, I have to write that down. My, you know, that I use that as sort of my first thinning out of the player pool, you know, take all the players that, that grade out, uh, uh, decently and skim those down and handwrite the ones that I'm actually considering. And most of those are the ones that end up in the cash game breakdown. Yeah. You waste more paper than anybody I know. Oh yeah, dude. I, I had to do a, uh, one of those subscriptions. I, I get a, a whole pack of, um, they send me the pen. Sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's 15 in a case of paper. Um, once every, uh, Every eight weeks is when I do it. So I go through the most whole... expensive part of your habits, probably buying ink. Yes. Oh my God. Apps. I have a subscription to that now too. Uh, I never used to, I used to just buy it as I needed it, but I used to need it all the time. Now I, you know, office depot or whatever it is, does those uh, subscription things or you just, and they give you a discount. So I have them delivered right to the front door, ink, uh, pens, uh, the paper. Yeah. The, I, burn through that i budget on that thousands of dollars i mean just thousands on paper and pens and you know and notebooks and all that kind of stuff but yeah yeah i, I do I, I burn trees that is for sure so that's sort of and then i focus on quarterback tight ends on tuesday and then i said running backs wednesday thursdays is for receivers and then Fridays, I usually am tweaking the defense even though i started a new defensive model as well and it's going fairly well pretty well back to back we've we've settled on defense our defenses haven't been bad the last couple of weeks they haven't been the big hit defenses but even the patriots last week weren't we paid up which sucked because it, it kept us from some other players but uh they weren't bad at least and that that's the the whole goal of a defense and special teams and dfs is just to not screw it up yeah you don't know how, when you're gonna get lucky with the pick six or fumble fumble recovery for touchdown so it's uh, sometimes you're going to hit, sometimes you're not. You would like to get more than we – it was all right last week with the Patriots. They had two fourth-quarter interceptions, which helped. But, yeah, it still would like to see more. But, uh, well, we can handle it. Could have used uh, Tampa Bay with the two pick sixes. Like, oh, my God. Who would have thought that against Green Bay? It's just uh, – that. those are the random the randomness to why I hate defenses so much. So, um and then, you know, you and I start uh, actually around Wednesday is really when we don't talk much DFS at all. Um, we review on Tuesday for the show. So we talk a little bit before the show on that. And then uh, once you're get, doing your 
RB coach and then you've done that, I usually spy on you a little bit in their chat room just to see what's going on, what the people are thinking about. I always hang out in there for the coaching sessions most of the time and then discuss with you either after it or text you during the thing and distract you. Um, and then we, then we start focusing in from there and then we try to have conversations uh, each you know, Thursday a couple times and then Friday before the show to really center in on who we're officially going to lock. That, that's a bit of our problem we run into with the core four segment is that with injuries and, and everything, no information given out. Five years ago, they used to have questionable, probable, all these tags. They used to be, we used to know a lot more about injury. We had good beat writers and all that. We don't have that anymore. Nothing is really known until Friday. And it's usually right during our show that we find out all this information, you know, and that I think that's really hurt us as far as preparing who officially is going to be in that core four come Friday night. Yeah, yeah, they've gotten because even like today, I think guys like AJ Brown missed practice. Michael Thomas is missing practice again. Kareem Hunt's hurt again with rib injury, all of a sudden out of nowhere. Like you know, that, that's supposed to be my lock of the week. Kareem Hunt's yeah. my lock. It's his so, third injury in two weeks or in three weeks. It's unbelievable. He's got a groin, he's got a quad, and now ribs. Jesus, ribs was I think that play where he. Tried to jump over a guy. And yes. Get the extra, yeah, because he got up slowly. He came back into the game, but I'm not super concerned about it, but I'm still all in, but I don't like seeing three injuries. Yeah, it's um, just more injury. It's like, that's the thing. It's more injuries just mean more chances that one of them could flare up during the game, and that, that's the bad part there. Yeah, but it's uh, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a learning process, and it's tough Sunday mornings too. Any late breaking news happens because yes. you're on the XM show when I'm in the chat, and I get a billion people ask core four change, core four change. And for those that are in the chat Sunday mornings that listen to this podcast, if there's a change, it'll be updated on the site. I'm just going to randomly change it up in the chat without putting something on paper, just because I always get it. I, at this point, I copy and paste the link just. Go to the link. Go to the go to the article. Go to the article because it's not changing. And that's it, if it changes. And it's tough for us to, if we want to make a change. You're, we're both doing things. It's not easy to just make a quick update. Uh, it's not that simple. We don't have. It's like we could sit and talk on the phone for five minutes to figure it out. Oh, so no, yeah, we don't. We don't. If anybody had any, if the everything that goes into a, I, only time I ever get really pissed is when anybody challenges me or even infers that I weren't, we don't care about our customers because the, what the depths of what we go through in order to provide all the latest information and our absolute best plays and best projections and everything for our customers is something that I know. And you know, nobody else in our space will ever do that. No, they will never Go through that. I'm on national radio. By the way, a little. Uh, if anybody notices, elite fantasy subscribers sometimes ever notice how it just so happens we have uh, a four beat writers on that involve players that are in our cash cash game breakdowns and running back coaches and wide receiver coaches. You ever notice that on Sunday morning? Huh. Wonder who plans that out. A little extra for everybody. We talk to the beat writers that are at the games that are re- directly reporting that. Sometimes we get real juicy, good stuff. Sometimes we get nothing, but we, you know, we try. And then, so, and then I will pass it along to Ted 
and Ted's always listening to it just in case. And we t- discuss on an instant message while we're doing the broadcast, while Ted's doing the chat with three, 400 people. And, and then we make a change and then have to move it. I mean, this, you know, we, that's, it's not bullshit. Like we care and we're going through that process. And even my co-host Bob Harris knows at certain times I will have to tell him, Hey, take it for a while. Cause I need to dive in here and either update the article if Ted can't or pass something along to Ted to pass along to our subscribers. Something that I heard or seen or read or whatever is going on. So yeah, it's a, it's a complicated process, but I don't think anybody has the, the ecosystem and the ability to do what we do. And I'm very proud of our work with that as well. So yeah, that's the core four. a little behind the scenes stuff for the core four. I thought you guys may enjoy. I mean, again, I, I get mad about the team math shit because whereas Bill Ted and I don't think math can solve your DFS problems or your fantasy problems. It helps you, but I have 162 spreadsheets and all you know, all different data. Every piece of data I spend, you talk about my paper fees. I have thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars every month of data that I subscribe to, that I pay for out of my own pocket, even that stuff that elite doesn't pay for that I pay for and I get downloaded and I sort out. And then I have to ask Rusty, our tech guy sometimes for help, but he helps me. And then, you know, and we all have access to those data points. And there's not a, not a piece of information or data that goes unnoticed by me in any week. Now, what the degrees and how much attention to pay for it. I'm convinced Ted, that people in our industry, unfortunately, will come up with ideas that they will simply sit down there. They will do that first part that I do on a Sunday night or the part that you're doing on Tuesday night for running backs. And they'll say, all right, I think these guys have the best matchups based on just the service staff. And then they'll get, then they'll dive into the, the data on those players. They've already got their pool sorted out because of whatever general thought they had. And then they go searching for data and it's exactly the opposite with us. It's data first input, everything first, and then let that point us in the right directions. There are days that I simply don't weeks. I don't like a, I don't like some of the players at all. I mean, I hate certain players. Ryan Fitzpatrick last week, dad, you know, I hate, I, I like Fitzpatrick as a human. He lives across the street from me. True story for those who don't listen to the live stream. And his brother is right next to him. They have a compound that takes up a whole block of our neighborhood. But um, uh, I didn't like him at all. And yet he was a core four play for us before we regrettably changed it on Sunday morning. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole Ryan Fitzpatrick thing is a little joke. That the fact that he he didn't even know he was getting benched. I, part of me thought it was kind of like a pre-planned thing where Tua was hurt so that he was basically told, kind of set up, he'd set up the first six weeks and then return after the buyer. I mean, that was a plan thing, but evidently Fitzpatrick knew nothing about it, which is, I mean, they're clearly not playing for the playoffs because they have no fucking chance with two at quarterback. Zero. Zilch. I, if I had Fitzpatrick, I'd request a trade and say, screw you guys, I'm done. Yeah, uh, I mean, he sounded pretty heartbroken. He said he's heartbroken. He, d- he didn't expect it. I mean, you know, it's one thing when you're out of contention. We, it's, I, I've talked about this all week where I, I know what they're doing. They don't want to win this year. They they have everything planned for next year. 
And that's a dangerous, whereas I love the idea of planning and having a trajectory for your organization. Sometimes the players themselves will either be ahead or behind that schedule. And you kind of got to listen to that schedule that you got to listen to what's happening. And the dolphins are one game out of the division lead behind the Buffalo bills in the AFC East. They're very much in contention for one of the seven wildcard spots this year. <laughs> you, you don't pull the, and Fitzpatrick has played well. So you can't make that move now. It's absolutely absurd, but their plan is this. They want to get to as much. They wanted to draft their quarterback this year get him as much experience as possible and then have him as this clear starter going into the final year three of this rebuild where now they, they ascend to the top of the mid. That's the way they're viewing it. And whereas I I think that timeline plays, I think that timeline is justifiable before these last six games, there's no way you can make that move. Now you can do every part of that. You can let Fitzpatrick go. And if he fails in week 10 or 11, you get to as much experience as. don't forget Lamar Jackson. He started what two games at the very end for the Ravens, his rookie year, Pat Mahomes didn't start at all. Not a single game. You don't have to be on the field. Some quarterbacks learn and excel by being behind a, a veteran starter and, and play well. Maybe they get a starter two at the end of the year. Maybe they don't. You don't need all that experience because that can also work against you. Because if Tua goes out there and gets his ass kicked up and down, starts losing confidence, teams, fans, coaches start losing confidence in him, or God forbid he gets hurt, then then you've absolutely fucked your entire – you're done. You have nowhere else to go if you're Brian Flores and that staff. That's, so this you've got to be smarter and more fluid with your planning if, if you're an organization these days. Yeah, he turns it to David Carr or David or Derek. I get which David. one? I mean, David was the first. The Texans was David. David, yeah, he got destroyed. The brother, the first yes. Carr got murdered on a regular basis, and there was some talent there, but he had no chance. And then Tim Couch is another guy to throw out there that just got destroyed. Just, oh, yeah. They killed his confidence. So yeah, it doesn't. Aaron Rodgers, another guy who sat the bench for a few years too, and did all right. So yeah, he sat for three years. You Make know the I mean? playoffs, but I mean, I guess it does make sense that the. I will say, look at their draft picks, because they were the draft picks in the first day, three first round draft picks. Uh, they took Tua and then Jackson, the offensive lineman, who was went way too early, way too raw. And they oh. took the other project at corner, too. So those were, they wasted Big, three for Big Bignani. Yeah, he's yeah. been terrible this year, too, and got so. hurt. Yeah, it's, uh, it hasn't worked out. I mean, should have had guys who could make more of an impact in their rookie year with those other two picks and let your quarterback develop you know, with the better supporting cast, but you don't, I don't like, I don't like the idea of a quarter grooming your quarterback with a bunch of other pieces that are also learning their way. That, Cause now you're, you're trying to hit moving targets everywhere. It was, you need something to be stationary. I like Pat Mahomes coming into a ready built system, a ready made offense where Alex Smith was producing pretty well anyway. And then you added Mahomes and you got him all this confidence to the point that, his second year starting, third year overall, he's winning freaking Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Because Mahomes, there's a reason he went, whatever, eighth overall. It's a reason. He wasn't very thought of. It wasn't a sure thing. Herbert and Tua were more highly thought of than Mahomes coming into the league. Now we look back and his revisionist history saying, oh, everybody loved him. No, they didn't. No, they just didn't. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the thoughts on Tua. 
Let's go into some week seven starts and sits here, Ted Schuster. Um, guys that are in the top 12 at receiver and tight end, top 24 at running back, top 36 at the wide receiver position. Players you should probably be starting this week. What about Cam Newton? What do you do with Cam Newton? It's uh, on paper, you would think, or paper, it's actually not a tough matchup, but some people may think it's a tough matchup against San Francisco. His defense ain't good anymore. Uh, but Cam Newton was absolutely atrocious last week. I had worried about it. We talked about it on that Friday show, how COVID would affect it. I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know if it was just having the time off, but he wasn't good. What's your confidence level this week? Um, season all fire fire away with him. I still think he's a, a solid option. I mean, it depends on. I mean, there's certain guys that I, that maybe I, in general, rank lower than him on most days. But like guys like Stafford, of course, or uh, that I would start over Newton this week. But um, I st- he's still salvaged it. The thing with his running ability, he's still salvaged last week, uh, despite how bad he was. Um, they, it sounds like they should have gotten practice in this week. So actually, throwing to his receivers is definitely going to help. Newton did play bad. I felt the offensive line is pretty beat up. That's one thing to keep an eye on. Um, and they're just they're getting just as beat up as like Dallas was. So that's something to keep an eye. On. I didn't feel like the play calling was the best either, but um, he'll be fine. I mean, the rushing ability will help save his value. Yeah, I mean, he's going to need it. It was just not good last week. I, I don't know what the game plan was going into it, but um, can't turn the ball over obviously either. He just was off on some of his throws including that final one to Nikhil Harry that it was fourth down, just couldn't hit I mean, 10 yards to the right. I don't know what that was, but what about the Roethlisberger this week against Tennessee, Ted? I do have him as my QB 11, so he's a starter for me and uh, really one of the first true tests for him this year. Yeah, I mean, he's getting, I think Jets going to be back this week. He's got Claypool. The thing with Tennessee, and you've mentioned it numerous times, they can get beat deep for big plays. We know Ben likes to take shots. Uh, and also their defense actually has been run on quite a bit too. But that's the only thing that honestly I think it might hurt Ben's value a little bit is that Tennessee's been run on pretty easily by most teams. So I think Connor should have a decent week. So it might limit some of the – you're not going to see Roethlisberger throw it 40-plus times because they're going to be able to run the ball so well. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good point right there. Tennessee – uh, I think they're Jeffrey Simmons. I think is back. He's the guy who blocked one of the two point conversion last. He's a big fat defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans replacing Gerald Casey. He had that block of the Watson two point conversion that kind of saved the game went unnoticed, but uh, um, Tennessee can be run on. Absolutely. Uh, other positions. What about Melvin Gordon? What do you do with him this week against Kansas city? Uh, it's a great man. Kansas City can't really stop the run. It's the best way to attack them. It, I got to think it's going to be more 50 50 on the touches based on Lindsay having 100 yards and, and Gordon getting in trouble last week. So, uh, I'm and I'm a guy who owns Melvin Gordon just about every league somehow. I'm not thrilled really? about it, yeah, but I am. I'm gonna have to start him. I he's a start for me too. I don't think it will, I don't think it will be 50 50 with Lindsay. I don't, Lindsay. The thing that we always forget because of how tiny he is, is that he's not a pass catcher. He's just not. He's actually quite poor route runner, bad hands. 
just isn't the, the pass catcher, despite like he seems like he should be the best one, but uh, it's just not, you know, he's not there. So I, I don't, I think Melvin Gordon definitely start for me this week against Kansas City. You got to run against the Chiefs. The Chiefs have given up the sixth most, I'm sorry, fifth most uh, rushing yards on the ground. They're the sixth worst DVOA against the run as well. So that has to be where they go and just bludgeon Melvin Gordon a lot. Um, a couple other players. How about the San Francisco backfield against the Patriots? Tough matchup. Jarek McKinnon getting the start right there. looks like Jamichael Hasty will be the backup here this week. I don't think – is Simmons out? What's going – the latest on Jeffrey – or uh, not Simmons. Wilson. Uh, Wilson, Jeffrey Wilson Jr. Um, like Simmons. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you think it's going to be Hasty or what's going on with the, the backup there? Um, I kind of talked about this a little bit in the running back breakdown. I don't know what the fuck's going to go, go on. <laughs> I think it should be McKinnon, but Hasty got the like, the meaningful carries in the fourth quarter last week. But again, again we've seen that in the past. Man, Shanahan doesn't make a lot of sense. Because a couple weeks ago, I think, I thought McKinnon would be involved. And basically, it was all Mostert. McKinnon did sniff the field. And then the one game before Mostert returned, McKinnon got a split work with Wilson. And the next thing you know, McKinnon got all the work. So it's kind of a McKinnon is the only guy I can comfortably start. Uh, the McHasty, I think you're, you just have to be in a bad spot to try and pull that, pull that guy right now, but anything's possible. Cause we could think like so we could see a McKinnon t- getting all the touches. So um, McKinnon, you'll start seasonal DFS. Um, he's a GPP play at this point. Cause I just don't trust Shanahan. Yeah, it's hard to trust Kyle Shanahan. I trust I trust McKinnon at the top. Like that, I, I trust. Uh, I haven't seen any updates on Jeffrey Wilson, by the way. So Because that's another thing. Don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, he had a calf injury before. Limited and in practice, whatever limited. that is. Because so, if he plays, I think Hasty's off the board, yeah. quite honestly. I really believe he's just completely off the board. Wilson's a bigger guy that they've used, even when Mostert was running well, around the goal line which would take that away from McKinnon. But so pay attention to that. Uh, but yeah, for the, the time being, McKinnon's a start for me. Um, DeAndre Swift, he's, he broke out, like I said, he would last week, which was very good. You know, great call that um, encore for this week. I'm not anxious to ever jump back in to a, a especially young player that had a breakout, especially when he's a part of a three-man committee at the running back position. But I do think he earned a lot of room i think he's going to continue to see the field the most of all those running backs and then we got the atlanta falcons matchup ted where they're tough on the ground but you can catch the football out of there which again plays way away from adrian peterson and into deandre swift's hands yeah that would i would be shying away from swift a little bit more so if it wasn't for that case like if the atlanta for years is just continue to give receptions to the running backs and I, I think their ability to slow down the run is going to mean we're going to see more swift the fast why they keep on playing Adrian Peterson, I have no idea. I mean, that's just I, it's beyond me. It's just dumb that you, your team isn't going to get better playing Peterson. I mean, what his age and what he does is remarkable, but it just put the young guys Wilson in there. I will put Swift in there or, or even throw Johnson in there at this point, but to, to give Peterson carries is dumb. But um, and Swift is still going to have value because of the, the pass catching, uh, right. but I think people are going to be disappointed if they think it's just automatic he's going to put that kind of performance up i think a lot of it's going to do his touches are going to have a lot to do with how the game kind of starts so they've kind of 
they just dominated Jacksonville last last week. Had the ball yes. the entire time, and teams have done that to Atlanta too. So he could have a good game, but um, it, I've seen some ridiculous trade proposals that people have sent me on Twitter about using him and how thinking he's some sort of top ten running back right now. But that's not that's far from the case. No, not top 10 running back. That's for sure. Still on the rise. Uh, DVOA against the run. Atlanta's eighth best in the league, but they've given it the second most receptions, second most receiving yards, and the most receiving touchdowns to running backs this season as well. So that's that's kind of where he would make his nut if if at all. And like you said, and or, or if he benefited from a, a great game script that was heavily in their favor. But I think this game is going to be very back and forth. Uh, I, I do believe in Atlanta's offense. I People doubted it going into last week, and I had Matt Ryan in the write-up. But Julio Jones being back, Calvin Ridley is not going anywhere. Calvin Ridley in single coverage is just that, – that's like a mismatch of epic proportions, Ted. It's – I have two. I I have three teams out of my ten teams that I'm five and one record, and all three of them have Metcalf and Ridley. And I'm thinking, I was looking at it this week. I'm like, holy shit! Like this is like I'm so incredibly confident in those two wide receivers. It's just crazy. You should be, yeah. And then the thing with Ridley too. The one thing people that people who owners have been disappointed to last week. He's been injured partly, but with Ridley doing so well, he's going to make Jones's job a lot easier. He's going to get open. He's going to get more single coverage that he hasn't been getting for years because teams are starting to fear Ridley too. So uh, it's one of those things that people got to pay attention to. And you mentioned guys like Metcalf. This is, I like the podcast here because I can rant about shit. Yeah. Stop steady. Like there's a question that literally got posted like a minute ago. This is probably this oh, no. posted in five hours. Pick three: Hopkins, Metcalf, Claypool, OBJ, and Fulgham. Are we fucking serious here? Yeah, we're not benching Hopkins. We're not benching Metcalf ever. No, ever. Guys, you're not benching. You're not benching Julio. You're not benching Ridley. So stop asking these questions. I, I, it's the second time today I've had just like obvious. Like Hopkins is never going to be benched. I don't care who if he's playing God. You're starting him. So it just don't don't include them in the list because chances are you're less likely to get an answer, especially when you're putting it out on the the public free form like Twitter. Dude, the, the, by the way, that, so Ted and I have been around in this business long enough. Okay. I know a trap when I see it. That's a trap question. It's a bullshit question. All you're trying to do is you, you are all about Travis Fulgham. That's what that person is. And what he wants is for us to obviously say not to start him. And then he catch a touchdown, and then you're going to shit on us. That's exactly what you're going to do. I know you're going to do it. Quite honestly, I'll be. I love the podcast because I can say this too. I know better. I won't answer that question. I'm an asshole sometimes, and I won't answer that question. I want to answer every question, but if I know you're playing a fucking game with me, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to completely avoid it simply because I know you're just trying to mess around. No, nobody should be starting Fulgham. This idea, I got a question right here. Uh, a guy, Shaq3223, on Twitter says, uh, love your content, respectfully disagree. You're going to be wrong on Fulgham. Even Alshon and Deshaun are healthy. He earned seven to ten targets a game. Okay, I want everybody to understand. Seven to ten targets a game is what? hundred. Let's say it's 140 targets on a season. That would put him in like top 12, top 15 
of targets for the full season. Like you think Travis Fulgham is going to be that. That's what you think. You're out. You're fucking crazy. You're just crazy. And by the way, this happens specifically with Eagles players all the time. What two weeks ago, you were all telling me Greg Ward was everything. That's you were telling me that Greg Ward staying. He had chemistry. Wentz loves him. Team loves him. What he did last year. Even when Alshon comes back, that's what you're telling me. And now two weeks later, it's Travis Fulgham. And then as soon as Deshaun Jackson catches a touchdown or two in a game, it's back to, oh, who? Travis who? Stop falling for the same hype every time, folks. He really did nothing. Two weeks ago, he had a monster game out of nowhere. Congratulations to him. He'd done nothing last week until the officials decided that the Ravens want, they want the Ravens to have a yes. struggle. Because Fulgham didn't exist, and he caught, he got away with the pass interference in the end zone on his touchdown. That should have been called. It's just, he literally didn't exist. I watched the game. I was like, okay. Yes. Same. Until like, he was doing nothing. I almost tweeted Travis Fulgham, zero for zero. That's what I, or I think at one point he had one target, zero catches. That, and that was like the second half. I was going to text that. I was going to tweet that. I didn't because... Well, the games weren't over, and I'm I know better, so I yeah. didn't do it. Thank God I didn't. But yeah, he is not an sell high. Sell, if you could sell him, sell him now. That didn't People age well. That didn't age well. Um. All right. So those are a couple of players that we are going to start. Noah Fant, if he plays, I think he's going to be a top ten fantasy tight end this week as well. I like Mike Williams. You need to start him. Some players to bench this week. I'm benching Ryan Tannehill. Ted, I had at least a couple dozen people come at me that over the last 14 games, Ryan Ted, which by the way is over two seasons, which by if you're doing analysis that involves the end of last season and the beginning of this one, you're immediately, it doesn't matter what your results are. You're wrong. It's terrible. It doesn't matter. It is impossible for that. What happened last year at the end, to affect what happens at the beginning. It just, it, it's the worst type of analysis that is ever out there. You folks do this in baseball all the time. They do it in NBA. What do you do in the playoffs? Versus, no, it's not the same. Stop doing this. But Ted, they compare him to Patrick Mahomes. <sighs> the great running games helped his, make his life easy, but it's, it's a whole different animal this weekend against Pittsburgh. I, I, it's like, it's for instance, it's probably a little preview for the five team parlay. I have a strong lean on this game because I don't. <laughs> out for Tennessee. Yeah, it's they're going to attack Pittsburgh. That's, Pittsburgh likes to attack, and they're going to attack, attack, attack. And we've seen Henry's been yes, he had a monster game this weekend, but he's got to kind of get rumbling to get those big runs. And if he yes. doesn't get the rumbling, he gets it's, it's one yard, two yard, three yards because yards per carry has been pretty weak, uh, weak until last week. So it's going to be a tough sledding there for that Tennessee team. I uh, completely uh, agree with that as well. I think I hit probably have the same exact lean that you do. So, uh, you know, we'll definitely discuss tomorrow on the Sirius XM show, our five team parlay. We also have our, be- our best bets of the day on this show at the end. So we'll do that. A couple other players to bench. Uh, I'll just rip through them quick because we're running out of time. Antonio Gibson, uh, Jarvis Landry, worried about him, even though it's a good matchup. Jamison Crowder, no. Jerry Judy, no. Dalton Schultz, no. Rob Gronkowski, no. Uh, one other point, Le'Veon Bell, does he play or not this week against Denver for the Chiefs? I think he's active, but yeah, he'll play a little bit. Crowder, by the way, did not practice today, too, for anybody that cares. Yeah, he down got downgraded, did not participate. And they officially, FanDuel officially moved 
they're going to keep that game on Sunday night. Uh, there's no announcement for DraftKings as of this time. But, but I'm they sure made an announcement. Yeah, the FanDuel support tweeted out that they are going to include Seattle, Arizona in the Sunday slate. All right. Well, there we go. All right. Fair enough. Um, I guess it's good. I mean, it's the right thing to do. We've done our research and it just, it sucks. Cause I like you, I like knowing what the Rickery stand right away. Uh, everyone's just going to just pound that game. I mean, it's the ownership is going to be absurd. Hopefully live scoring works. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, otherwise we'll know by Wednesday on that um all right folks so there you go again head to fantasyguru.com for the rankings they're updated after the news breaks on friday we get the official injury report we run all that everything's ready to go for tonight's uh, eagles giants game by the way a prediction let's let's do our look bad prediction what do you predict giants eagles tonight um take the under in that game <laughs> it's low it's only 44 i believe 44 so. i i the Eagles win a close, low-scoring game, so I like the Giants and the under. Interesting. All right, four points for the Giants they're getting in some books. I said 17-13, so that vibes with uh, the Eagles winning in that one. But I, I could see the Giants. I almost hope the Giants win just to just pandemonium in that division then. You know what I mean? Just absolutely – if everybody in that division is like, you know, has one or two wins, like it, it would just – because with the Eagles, if they win, they're in first because they're a tar. You know, I, w- I want the Giants to win, and just it would just be funny. It's six yeah. wins is winning that division, I think. It's unbelievable. It's so bad. It's embarrassing. They really shouldn't. Worst team I remember is Seattle when they were seven and nine, and then they won a playoff game. So who knows? Uh, let's get to it. Uh, our wrapping this puppy up here. Our survivor pick of the week. I got bounced in all my survivor pools. I'm very upset about this. I'm not happy about this, but Ted, if we had to put it on tape, one team that will win in week seven, who do you got? Who's a guarantee? As long as Adam Gase is still coach, any team versus (laughs) the Jets, so give me Buffalo. Indeed. I I think that's uh, easy for both of us to pick the Buffalo Bills. If you, so we both go Buffalo. If, players out there are playing along and they've already used Buffalo who would be your fallback option uh the Chargers against Jacksonville at home oh okay I had the Saints against Carolina as my fallback so there we go there's three options for you guys uh the ones we like chances are you're not going to use all of those thus far your best bet of the week Ted Schuster one bet for all the glory what would it be I haven't done my college research but I'll have that one for tomorrow (laughs) Uh, Big Ten returns this weekend. Yeah, I will take Pittsburgh minus or plus one on the road against Tennessee. Yeah, that's uh, exact same. I have the same one. We're both seeing the same thing. Losing Taylor Lewan, it's so devastating. Isaiah Wilson has not panned out. He was on COVID the whole season. It's been a it, the, the offensive line is a mess. They're not going to be able to run Henry is a maniac when he's playing the Texans, but he doesn't run that well. It just Pittsburgh will have this solved and they're going to win this game outright. You give me a point. Yeah. Easy, easy one right there. Upset of the week here, Ted Schuster. Um, we've been agreeable thus far. What, what do you got? Who's your big upset? Who was the one that I liked? I'm trying to think. Um, just look at the ads. Trying to think of one that actually, if I know you, I wouldn't doubt that, 
you, you're thinking Houston's going to be Green Bay. No, I don't think. I think okay, because you hate like, Green Bay right now. I like Green Bay to win that to cover that game too, but I'm not sure if it'll be my five team probably tomorrow. But uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go lost. Las Vegas had to get their starting line back. Really? Versus Tampa Bay, huh? Uh, Tampa Bay is just not that good. I'm sorry. Hmm. Interesting. Um, the upset of the week for me, I've been pretty good on these over the last few weeks, but uh, um, I want to say that if I had to do an upset, it's going to be the, the potatoes beating the Cowboys. I'm not buying into the end of Dallas. I think Dalton's going to be fine. The offense will be fine. They're not as bad as they looked Monday night, but you know, this anything could happen with this division and Washington did everything they could to lose that game last week. They should have won the game easily against the giants, but uh, they went for two at the end and just blew it. So, um, but I, I think Washington may just run away with it. You know, I just think that Dallas are very banged up along the offensive line too. Uh, Secondary is atrocious. Linebacking core is atrocious. Everything's bad. So uh, I think Washington. Yeah, Yeah, there's a good chance Washington's are defense and DFS this week. Yeah, they're pretty cheap. Although, yeah, they are pretty cheap. Cheap on both Uh, sides. I mean, cheap on every site. I mean, that pass defense, at least DraftKings and FanDuel. So uh, 2,500 on DraftKings too. So against that Dallas offensive line that is just, decimated uh yeah that 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 potatoes defensive line could eat you're talking about backups of backups that are starting and for dallas now i I can't remember i said it on the serious show i'm blanking on the name um i'm totally blank let me look it up here uh, because now it's gonna kill me oh yeah yeah, greg sanat who greg sanat who was uh just awful he's a small school kid was with the browns uh, he's at Baltimore for a little while in Kansas City. He bounced around, but uh, this guy is atrocious, like for real bad, and he's likely going to be the starting left tackle. Well, and, and Dalton's going to have to find a way to, to hit one of those. I mean, his the only hope for offense is to have to to back off that defensive line and the attacking is it hit one of those slants like CD Lamb for a long touchdown because the dump offs he was trying to do to Zeke last week. That that ain't, that offense isn't going to go anywhere if he if he tries the same thing. You're going to have to hit those big receivers for the big plays down the field because we know they they do struggle at the back end. But um, if they don't, it's they're in real trouble this weekend. They are indeed. So there you guys go. All right, that's going to do it for episode 36. Thank you everybody for downloading it and subscribing. Uh, please leave your feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, to any place you can, iTunes and Google Play, however you have downloaded this podcast. We do so appreciate it. Follow Ted Schuster, at Ted Schuster, all one word, on the old Twitter machine right there. Follow me at Jeff underscore Mance. Listen to Elite Sports weekdays, Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Ted is on Mondays, or I'm sorry, Tuesdays and Fridays. And then uh, SuperSexM pregame show me and Bob Harris every Sunday morning. Ted Schuster's in the chat at EliteFantasy.com. For Ted Schuster, this is Jeff Manns. We'll see you next time, everybody. Remember, may disagree. Lots of things we said, especially on this episode, but it's okay because this is just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!